This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, it's been a big day and a great one for Talk Radio, the carbon tax issue. Uh, let's tick in the box and suggest we've kind of covered it for now. I'm sure it will rear its ugly, contestable head somewhere in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but to that matter, let's come b- uh, around to Jody Wilson-Raybould and the latest installment in this uh, whole saga, which, by the way, she was being feted on, uh, in her community on Vancouver Island on the weekend, and uh, the Grand Chief of the... BC Union of Chiefs, pretty much saying it's sundown on Justin Trudeau. They've become so disillusioned and cynical about this guy relative to not just Indigenous peoples, but how he's treated Jody Wilson-Raybould. And uh, in fact, lending more credence to the fact that she felt she was under attack and being assailed, uh, pressured, I guess, would be one polite way of putting it, which is why she claims, I guess, she uh, did decide to tape uh, Mr. Wernick here, Michael Wernick, the clerk of the Privy Council. But now you've got her... uh, I guess you can still call them colleagues in the Liberal caucus weighing in, thinking this was offside. Give a listen to Transport Minister Mark Garneau. I think personally that when the top lawyer in the country and the clerk of the Privy Council are having a conversation about something very important, that it is totally inappropriate to record without notifying the other person. It is not an honorable thing to do. All right. He's not alone in that regard. Uh, here to punctuate the point, Janet uh, Petipa-Taylor, uh, she, the health minister, disappointed by the taping. My opinion, my humble opinion, uh, if you're going to be taping a conversation with a colleague, advise them that the conversation is being taped, and then from there there's no secrecy. All right. Let's throw it around the horn. And Kim, I'll start with you. I mean, the conversation recording it, the one with Michael Wernick, where uh, it really substantiated her claims that she had given oral testimony to. Uh, wrong thing to do, or do you find it supportable? I'm I'm not surprised she did it, considering she told the Prime Minister no in September. She continued to sustain all sorts of pressure. She also told Michael Wernick during the course of their conversation that she was keeping copious notes on everything and that he shouldn't have been surprised. But what all of this is a bit of a red herring, should she have recorded or not. What Michael Wernick said in that conversation uh, should never have been said by the clerk of a privy council. And let's be clear, he is not some junior staffer fresh on the hill. He is the top bureaucrat for the government of Canada. If he couldn't have chosen his words more wisely, uh, then I'm I'm gobsmacked by that. He was there clearly sent with a message, a direction, and he delivered that message time and time and time again. You know, I also go back to, and you know, everyone knows the story of it's not how you treat the CEO, it's how you treat the janitor that really shows your true colors. And what we saw in that, or heard in that tape is very much their true colors. Also, Judy Scro, the MP for, one of the MPs for Northern Toronto, was very clear last week in saying, put up or shut up. So Jody Wilson-Raybould put up. And now they're all mad about all the content. They've been mad about the content from day one, and they should be, but they're misdirecting that. That should anger should be at the prime minister and his staff who have continued to mismanage this every single day. All right, but Mike, the implication here is that she betrayed a trust. This was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the sacred uh, trust, the cone of silence, blah, blah. Did she? Yeah, well, she didn't betray it because the trust was broken. I think one of the most accurate things uh, Justin Trudeau has said is there's an erosion of trust between him and uh, the former attorney general. And that is evidenced by the fact that she felt that she had to record this conversation because she wouldn't be believed otherwise. I don't think anybody, uh, including Jody Wilson-Raybould, goes into this without some trepidation and understanding the stakes, you know, understanding that there's a problem where if you feel you need to record a conversation uh, to have material evidence of what 
what's discussed because you might need it at a different at a later date, which she certainly did because they've done everything they can to uh, undermine her credibility on the public record. And so she used this. And as Kim uh, eloquently puts, they had said last week, put up or shut up. She put up and they, I guess, wish she had shut up. You know, Adrian, I draw attention to the timeline as well. This whole thing started with uh, the federal prosecutor September 4th. Mm-hmm. This taped conversation was December 19. That's right. So in the ensuing three months, there was a lot of pressure being brought to bear, whether it was political interference, criminal, uh, whatever is still to be determined, I suppose. But nonetheless, this almost seems to me like it was a last resort attempt to document what had been playing out. And she needed that verification because she could see the other shoe was about to drop. She and was, she said so. Right. Those are actually her the exact Correct. words that she used. She's expecting that another shoe is, is going to drop in her conversation with Michael Wernick. Look, do do the, does it wrinkle some of our feathers? Sure. It's uncomfortable knowing that someone is taping another person in, in, in secret. But in this country, you do not have to let someone else know that you are you are tape recording them. So and, and as far as the law, she is she is above board. But Kim makes an ex- excellent point. And that is the point that needs to be made with respect to this. So much political pressure had already been made with um uh, all of between Wernick, between Telford, between uh, the, the the former principal secretary Gerald Butts, the prime minister, the prime uh, the, the the finance minister, and the finance minister's chief of staff, all of these individuals coming upon this individual saying the public prosecution, the public prosecution's office has already made a decision. That's it. So. Why not CYA? Cover your own ass when it comes to these things. And that's exactly what Jody Wilson-Raybould had done. Vast majority of Canadians, John, believe her. It doesn't matter what Gerald Butts' testimony or emails and texts. And by the way, we should be asking the question how he had access to those. Um, uh, It doesn't matter what comes out tomorrow, I believe. And sure, there may be some, a few other bombs here or there. She was, she was, you know, you know, not a great lawyer and and all these other anonymous sources Mm -hmm. that have been coming out and besmirching her. Canadians believe her. Majority of Canadians believe that an RCMP investigation should happen. A majority of Canadians believe that there should be an independent inquiry into this. A majority of Canadians simply believe something very, very, very bad has happened here. And this Prime Minister's office and this Prime Minister are in big trouble because of it. The trajectory of this one is that it's gaining steam and it's not dissipating. But, you know, I'm thinking to myself that she's pretty smart in that she's test, uh, already uh, suggested she'd like to run again as a liberal in uh, in the fall, which is almost defying them to kick her out of caucus. And it, has been canvassing and promoting it on her social media channels. She's not just, you know, she is saying, look, I am here. I am trying to be good, a good liberal, a good team player. I'm out there. Now I'm hearing from people on the doorstep that they'd like to hear more. The problem all goes back to the prime minister. From the very beginning, he denied all he had to, you know, it was one step removed from saying these are scurrilous allegations. But then it was she she got removed from from her portfolio because she didn't speak French. Then it was Scott Bryson. Then it was the jobs, kind of, maybe. And then it was, well, they disagreed on a Supreme Court justice nominee who, in fact, recused himself, Mm -hmm. withdrew his nomination because his wife had metastasized breast cancer. Now we're back hearing it's something else. It's always something else. Well, it's Scott Bryson's fault, too. Don't forget. I I thought I had mentioned Scott Bryson, but it never stops being appropriate to mention Scott Bryson. Why did we have snow on the weekend? Because of Scott Bryson resigning. Mm. But at the end of all of this, this goes back to the prime minister and his team. And let's 
all of this, we only wanted a second opinion. Does anybody listening actually think that they would have wanted a second opinion if she had agreed with the prime minister in the first place? They wouldn't right. have said, hey, go talk to Bev McLaughlin because, you know, here we go. Right. This it was is, Yeah, it was like a mulligan. They were looking at a mulligan. But, you sure. know, the question I'm asking is, uh, you know, Wednesday could be the come to Jesus moment, caucus is meeting, and there are uh, some speculation that she's going to be kicked out of caucus. I'm thinking by putting down the marker saying, I want to run again as a liberal. She's daring them to kick her out of caucus. I think Justin Trudeau missed a huge opportunity when he switched her from attorney general um, to, to, to uh, where'd she end up going? Uh, Veterans, Veterans Affairs. Affairs. Veterans Affairs. So also she, a very she, important file. She should have immediately been made campaign manager for the Liberal Party because she has run communications since the day she was kicked <laughs> out of cabinet. Amazingly, better than anybody in this country has has done it. She should have been made campaign manager that day and the Liberals would be marching towards a victory in the fall. I am certain of it. All right. Uh, can, can I just give a quick update on something we discussed earlier with respect to whether or not the conservatives are going to run ads against Justin Trudeau's carbon tax? Provincially, right? It, provincially. if uh, uh, Well, it sounds like it, it actually might be happening. So they will. Yes. So the environment minister, when he said to you uh, earlier that they're going to use every tool in their toolbox, that sounds like it will be one of the tools that they will be using. So you want to listen to the show to get updated on the information and well, the intel. Well, you know, just have me on every day and I can give regular <laughs> updates, John. Okay. How about that? Well, that's all right. Uh, and then I can straighten you out that, yes, they will be running these ads. All right. It's good stuff. But listen, I wanted to ask a final question here, and this is the Prime Minister putting his foot in it further. <laughs> How big is that rabbit How hole? How is that even a thing anymore? Well, you know, uh, because... He's when neck deep in it. Well, this, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pivot because... Uh, the prime minister, as you might recall, uh, after Donald Trump had closed off access to the United States for seven Muslim countries, he was considered to be, you know, evil incarnate. And this was uh, racist and xenophobic and all the rest nativist. So Justin Trudeau tweets, as you all know now, it was virtue signaling of the highest order. Come to Canada. Canada's welcoming. Uh, you know, doesn't matter your faith, your creed, your color, uh whatever grade you finished in high school or public school, come on over to Canada. Well, and so people took him up on the offer. And what happened as a consequence was we got 40,000 asylum seekers who crossed the border in uh, southern Quebec from upstate New York. And uh, it turns out, according to a piece in The Globe, that 60 to 70 percent of these people actually came on visitors' visas to the United States with the direct purpose of uh, crossing at an illegal border crossing. In other words, it wasn't mm -hmm. one of the authorized uh, points of entry. And uh, we let them in. We had to process. And we've seen what it's... We've had our own uh, mayor here suggesting it was a 68 or $70 million tab for all of the services availed to them. Some are still living, I guess, in motels on Kingston Road and uh, so on and so forth. Our shelter system has been strapped to a point of uh, perhaps no return. And so now... Justin Trudeau has sent Bill Blair out, who's in charge of this file, border security, to try to cobble together uh, a new, safe third country agreement with the states. In other words, close that loophole. Anybody crossing uh, has to be taken to an authorized point of entry, at which point they'd be deported. You cross illegally, you're going to be deported. Uh, this becomes a little more complex. I'm setting it all up for you. Because in 1985, the Supreme Court came out with a Singh decision which means you enter a foot on Canadian soil, you get the whole apparatus to kick in and process your claim. So it doesn't matter where you cross, legal or otherwise, 
Now, uh, the Supreme Court would have to change that ruling. Should they, Kim? Because this is now where some critics are saying this is too draconian. It's a, a, a mean-spiritedness on the part of Canadians to close this avenue availed to people who might, may, by hook or by crook, set foot on Canadian soil. How do you see it? Do we need to close this loophole, or do you think it's sort of a fail-safe that allows people still to make legitimate or make uh, claims of refugee status? I think it's a. I think it is a fail-safe. I think it is should be remain. I think what we need to start having is. What do people who are seeking asylum here actually need? How do we how do we manage our shelter system, our supportive housing systems, all of these various myriad of systems that the federal, provincial, and municipal governments support, uh, and make sure that people are taken care of in an appropriate way? But also keep in, keeping in mind, and this always is just one of those things that uh, I guess sticks in my craw a bit about the discussions around immigration and asylum seekers and refugees, is that you know we live in a country that was based on people fleeing from other countries and and the history of that and how we grew as a nation and to all of a sudden say no that la-, you know I know I got in under these rules but the next guy shouldn't I, I think we have an obligation to help where we can in the world, but, but, also, but also we have to have an obligation to make sure that we are doing this in a dignified way and making what sure that people are living. What about a coherent fashion, though? And let me just pivot over to you, uh, Adrian. I mean, look, uh, when Kim makes this uh, statement that, you know, we have to maybe default to the benefit of the doubt for any claimants, but if we're having that abused, this loophole abused, which is the greater fidelity to the country's principles. Well, I think so. I I think vast majority of Canadians, we're reasonable people, we're thoughtful people. We understand that there is if there's a legitimate concern and threat outside of our borders, we we open them up. We welcome people. We provide them with the with the shelter and the resources and the and everything that it means to be Canadian in order to to have have a reasonable future. But we can't for a moment think that just because um, there there has been this idea that the prime minister of our country tweeted something that which he shouldn't have and it was irresponsible, that Donald Trump is to blame for everything. I, I think that there 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 are loopholes when it comes to everything, um, with so many aspects of our immigration policy and our agreements with the United States and our agreements with so many of our other um, But this allies. is 40,000 people who have entered the country. And uh, I'm not, but here's the problem, John. They're not going to kick those 40,000 people out. They're not going to toss them out on their ear. They're, we're going to continue to house them. We're going to continue to pay for many of the social services in which, um, you know, we we afford to them. Um, we can't even get rid of ardent criminals in this country without a 15 to 18 year process. So don't expect that any of these individuals who probably shouldn't be here in the first place are going to be, be leaving anytime soon. All right. Uh, so if the Globe story is right, 60 to 70 percent of these Uh, refugee or asylum seekers are coming into the United States specifically to beat us at our border, uh, not at a legitimate crossing. Is that a loophole we have to close, Mike? I think it is. And and I I, I sort of resent the the suggestion that it's improper to have this conversation. Just because, uh, you know, as a nation of immigrants and refugees, uh, it doesn't mean we can't have a collective view that the system the system has to operate with integrity. We want, sure, we may want uh, secure borders, but with a big gate. We want people to come through properly. 
be processed properly and, and become part of part of this great country. Um, the we don't like loopholes, and, and the very people who who complain often about uh, about the loopholes in the system are people, yes, who've come from other nations, but they came here and they did it properly. And they just want to see other people do. The, Follow the same path that they did. So uh, I, I think it behooves us to to uh, close the loopholes where they exist. Try to process people properly, efficiently, whether immigration or uh, immigrant or refugee, um, and, and ensure that there's integrity. I think Canadians will look at that as a fair and reasonable approach to uh, these these politically charged issues. Uh, the the prime minister has unfortunately, with some of his tweeting and virtue signaling around it, has politicized it in ways that I think is unhealthy. I think when you have to f- have a, a reasoned argument about it, uh, it sounds like they've finally given proper marching orders to the cabinet minister to deal with this in a more uh, reasonable way because Canadians want their borders to be uh, secure. People to be properly processed. They, we, we support the idea of immigration. Three hundred thousand more Canadians each year. We just want it done right. Well, I guess this is something that'll have to be uh, amended at the Supreme Court level since they implemented this Singh decision back in 1985. So it remains to be seen, uh, and this one we'll watch with uh, a keen interest. I've got to uh, end on that note. It's been another great day for talk radio. It's been a busy, eventful day, and thank you all for weighing in with your points of view. Mike Van Solen from Navigator, Adrian Batra from The Sun, and Kim Wright from Wright Strategies. Uh, we'll wrap on that note. want to thank everybody for participating, and my cast and crew, Mary Feely, good to have you back from vacation, and Jackie Lamport as well. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.